0: Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the fanalist, Southey, Beater, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Hello, and welcome back. Good evening, It is Leafs late night, where it is never too late for the Leafs presented by Inside the Rink. Speaking of Inside the Rink, if you haven't already, go and check out there are now three articles up by our very own super fan. I guess we'll call him Mike the Fanatic, friend of the show, uh, good friend of the show now, who has been contributing to Inside the Rink by adding a written portion to the show. So uh, our episodes are always going to uh, tie in as best we can to whatever Mike has talked about, at least to uh, to touch on it. But welcome back. It is I, Roscoe, joined by Beaner. And today we're doing video. Uh, We haven't done video in a long time. So uh, we're going to try it out, see if it works. Um, If the video is not up, I apologize. It means I tried at least. (laughs) But uh, we're back. We got some (laughs) we got some things to talk about. There's some new signings. And, um, well, kind of signing a PTO. And with that, there's a lot of PTOs around the league that I kind of want to touch on. Um, and some other signings and, um, something that I heard on overdrive that I want to kind of rehash and, uh, turn into our own little discussion here. And we will close off with who we think is going to be our breakout star for the Leafs this season. So that is what's in store tonight. Be sure to tune in to catch all of that and more. So let's just jump into it. Zach. Aston Reese. What do you know about him, Justin?
1: I know that uh, a lot of people were clamoring for Dubis to sign him. Pretty much all off season, um, he's he's not going to score forty or fifty goals for us, but he might be another good. Uh, I hate comparing him to him, but like Hyman or Bunting-esque, like you know. He's going to play every shift. He's going to throw his weight around. You're, it's not going to be an easy shift if you're out there against him. type guy, right?
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at his numbers. I mean, he was with Pittsburgh for a long time. That's where I know him best with. Uh, last season, he spent 17 games with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I guess that was after the trade deadline. It looks like he played 52 games. That seems to line up. Um, I don't remember. The trade deadline was crazy. But he has never... Passed 10 goals or 10 assists in a season and he has also never played more than 57 games in a season so is that due to injury I'm not super familiar with him do you know or is that just a matter of not playing because it doesn't show that he has Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins numbers through those years other than 18 19 so
1: I, I think it's just trying to find a consistent spot in the lineup
0: you think he's just a healthy scratch? I'm going to check his injury uh, history. Will you? Maybe, yeah. Uh, who do you think it, he's going to play with? It,
1: well, like it, to, to start off going in, into the preseason, realistically, I can, I'm probably going to see him being on the second line, second, third, and preseason because you don't play your full team, right? You're not going to have Uh, many preseason games where you have Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Elander, where you have everybody. So I think they're going to give someone like Zach a lot of ice time to try and earn a roster spot and earn a contract, even if it's not with the Leafs. If it kind of like a, you throw him a bone, right? He's coming there on a PTO and sometimes teams will even sign someone that was on a PTO with another team but they saw how he was playing. And you know, if he he doesn't sign with the Leafs, he might get a contract somewhere else out of it.
0: Fair enough. And uh, sorry to just start off slow there. I'm just looking at his uh, injury history here. It looks like in 2019, he broke his hand and missed quite a bit of time. Uh, Other than that, I can't really find anything. So it just seems like, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh was always really going for it. So I'm sure there just wasn't a huge spot for him there. And then Anaheim, he only played 17 games, three goals, one assist. Again, Anaheim wasn't in a great position last year. So if you weren't playing, uh, if your name wasn't Sonny Milano or Trevor Zegers, you probably weren't doing that well. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, I think it's interesting that he's got a PTO and not an actual um, deal. And that leads me to kind of further this conversation. And Fridge mentioned this in 32 Thoughts. Would you ever expect to see Danny DeKeyser, Calvin DeHaan, Cody Eakin, Tyler Pitlick, Zach Aston-Reese, Scott Harrington, Derek Stepan, um, so many others that are on PTOS in a league run by
1: Mister Gary Weasel Bettman? Yes, I mean, like I get
0: it. It's it's just the unfortunate. <laughs> I
1: hate I hate bringing it up all the time, but
0: but yeah, I mean, as there's. An upswing in higher-end talent, I think we've seen since the emergence of players like Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, you know, there's a lot higher-end talent coming in every year. A lot more higher-end talent. Wow, English. Come on, Johnny. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I think what's happening is there's a lot of guys that are taking that top end of the money, and it's kind of squeezing out this middle end, right? So you see these guys that should be making three, $4 million that there just isn't room for. now they're fighting to make 900K. Like, it's crazy. Yeah,
1: we've we touched on it a couple times before of the, the need for some form of a luxury tax, right? And as much as a lot of people's argument against it would be that, oh, you know, you're going to have teams that can afford it. They're just going to create dynasties. Well, no, you didn't have, there hasn't really been a dynasty since the early 80s with the Islanders. Like, okay, I guess you can call the Oilers a dynasty in the 80s because, yes, they did win five cups in that decade. But, like, they didn't buy that. They didn't get that dynasty by overspending and buying players that other teams couldn't afford. They had that because they came into the league with Wayne fucking Gretzky.
0: Of course. And I think we're getting to a point where there's so many players that don't have teams that you're going to see the the PA start to – argue this like they're going to start to step in and say look the salary cap is not working for us as players anymore like there was a time when sure everybody was making money and it was you know the, the minimum contracts were at least driving up what rookies were able to make but uh, now it's just hit a ceiling where because of this flat cap it's it's really just kind of exposing all of the flaws that there were with the system to begin with
1: absolutely and even if you have teams that don't have high, high end talent. Like everybody knows the situation the Leafs are in where you have, you know, four guys eating up a massive percentage of your cap. But I would rather have that than a team like say the Islanders. Yeah. Where you, you don't have any high end superstars. You don't have anybody that's going to win a trophy at the end of the year, but you have a whole bunch of people making five, six million.
0: And those contracts are yeah. now impossible to move because nobody has five or six million dollars to spend on a guy who's going to play maybe second, third line. But that's how yep. Lou wants to build his team. So we'll give it to Lou.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we saw what Dubas had to do to get rid of some of those contracts.
0: Yeah, really? I mean, Zaitsev, my God. So I guess that kind of leads me into the next discussion here. There's a couple names that are kicking around on the UFA list still that I mean, they're over 30, a lot of these guys, but they still got a lot of uh, a lot of play left in them, some of them. And we're going to play a little Would You Rather. So I'm going to put up a current Leafs rostered player, and you're going to tell me whether you'd rather the current player we have or the person available. And we'll start with the one uh, because I took this from Overdrive that they mentioned, which is Would You Rather Justin Hall at $2 million or PK Subban? on a league minimum contract. Subban. Yeah. See, they all and, said Justin
1: Paul. Like that, that's saying something. Cause right from the moment he was in Montreal, I did not, did not like Subban something like he, he did this thing. I always found it to be really dirty. I, I want to call it like a B check like he would go into a check against the boards and it's not really a hip check. He would lead with his ass. Oh yeah. I, I don't know why. And he's the only player I can recall ever seeing do it. And I just thought it was the dirtiest, weirdest thing ever. And as soon as he started doing stuff like that, I was like, okay, why? Like you've got the skating ability. You've got a fair amount of size. You can get to a position to lay a normal check. Why are, like, why?
0: I don't know. Maybe he just, just he found his own way, and he found his uh, his little can opener. He wanted to try his own version of you know. I'm going to do something that I might guess. be a little heavier. And if they don't have a rule for it, then I can get away with it.
1: Like there's there's no denying the fact that in his prime he was a great defenseman. Oh yeah. Just I th- that always baffled me why he would lead into checks like that. So like
0: you know go, if go you. Ahead.
1: To have someone like him now, this is going off the top of my head. I believe Subban's a right-hand
0: shot as well. According to this, he is yes, right-hand shot. So that's pretty much a wash. There, you have
1: in Subban, you have someone who has played at the highest level, eight hundred and thirty-four NHL played... games. Yep, he's played a ton of minutes. It's not like he's you know been a sixth or seventh defenseman his entire career. So you have a guy who has been a workhorse for his team and isn't really expected to be that anymore. So I think you could, kind of like with the Giordano situation, Giordano's not playing 30 minutes a game anymore, so he's looking that much better than he has the past couple of years.
0: No, that's good. That's fair.
1: You give you give PK a chance to play in his hometown, a team that gave one of his younger brothers a chance to try to make it back into the NHL a couple of years ago. I, I think there could be a lot of positives there.
0: I think so too. And I mean, look, his numbers aren't fantastic. Sure. He's getting old, but look, the devils were absolutely garbage the last couple of years. Like they're not a good team right now. They're still in rebuilding mode. So I'm not even going to look at his plus minus. Uh, it's the fact that he's been able to stick around on this team playing. I mean, Oh, those were shortened seasons, duh COVID. So those are pretty much full seasons, all those. Um, what that, duh, what am I talking about with Zach? That was with Zach Aston Reese's too. That's why his numbers were reduced. Fucking forgot about COVID numbers. My bad. I'm just trying to blank that out of my memory. Um, I I was going to say how, how
1: good of a thing is that though? The fact that we are completely just getting that entirely out of our
0: minds. Oh, it's, it's good to move on. I mean, and there's still, it's obviously not over, but I'm, I'm glad at least mentally we're starting to get out of it. Um, anyway, I don't want to get tagged with COVID, um, info again on Spotify, like last time. (laughs) So the thing that, um, I want to bring back that you mentioned about PK is that he's kind of a pain to play against. And this is something that I hear mentioned all the time lately with the Leafs is, yeah, they got the muscle. They've got people that'll fight in Simmons, but they don't have people that are really annoying to play against. I mean, sure. Michael Bunting is a pain in the ass, but when it comes to playoff time, which is really what we're all looking towards next year, it's not about the regular season anymore. Like, it, ugh, I, uh, it's a broken record. But it's true. You need somebody that's got the experience in the league and is a pain in the ass. And I think P.K. Subban is a little more annoying to play against than still kind of figuring out his place, Justin Hall, especially for the money. So I think I have to agree with you on that. Justin Hall is very annoying for his teammates when he Picks the
1: opposing team and gets a penalty and gets a goal call back.
0: We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so another one that I want to touch on here, would you rather there was one, a good one I had. Oh, here. Would you rather Alex Kerfoot or Sonny Milano? Sonny Milano, who is still waiting on a contract after all this time. You're going to say Kerfoot?
1: Yeah, Kerfoot. You keep Kerfoot over Milano in that instance, and then you're getting rid of Hall in some way, shape, or form, and signing Subin, saving that just over a million there can help ease the burden of keeping Kerfoot in that sense.
0: Okay, so forget about Kerfoot. Let's say somebody a little more... uh, It's tough because there's nobody in that range that I think... Sonny Milano would fetch contract-wise, like I'm just looking like the Leafs. I don't think there's anybody else that's kind of comparable to that. What do you think? Like Engval at 2.25 is probably the closest. Um, okay, would you rather Pierre Engval, who we have seen uh, potential upside from in the last uh, half of the last year, or Sunny Milano for the same price? Engval, Engval. I have to yeah. agree. And I uh, like Again, even though uh, I really as, want some Milano. As... <laughs> this is kind <laughs> like of helping and, and, my argument though, is like I looked at it and I was like, damn, I want him, but then I keep putting it against people we have, and I'm like, I don't know who I'd get rid of for him though. Maybe like Yarn Yarncrope, just because I don't know him yet.
1: Yeah, I think he's gonna be someone that we're all gonna like. Um and it it, it might sound a little homer ish because we're a Leafs podcast and we're talking about Leaf players. Yeah, yeah. But like t- take Kerfoot, for example, Kerfoot has ha- held a solid spot in the roster pretty much his entire career right at of university played 79 games in his first year in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's been consistent if nothing else, he's been consistent and he can, you can play him in any, he's not like, he, he's not going to excel in any one particular situation, but he's good enough basically at everything. He can pass, he can shoot, he can block shots, he can win face-offs, he can play a little defensive, he can, you know, play with a little edge. He he can do a little bit of everything. Nothing amazing. That being said, like the guy made the NHL. He's not playing in a beer league, (laughs) you know, on Sunday night. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from what he's done. But, he's been able and it's that's one of the most difficult things right to consistently keep your spot in the lineup especially if you're not a high-end talent
0: okay next one i want to touch on before we move on here this one's a little interesting evan rodriguez toronto boy who need i remind you had 19 goals and 24 assists last year for 43 points Last year made a million dollars. Probably looking for a bit more than that, but uh, it's getting close to training camp here, or, I mean, preseason, so uh, I don't know what he's going to get at this point. So I'm going to say about the same, somewhere in the between David Kampf and Pierre Engvall. But uh, who would you rather? Evan Rodriguez or... I don't want to repeat the same one again, but Pierre Engvall, because... I think that's uh, comparable contract-wise.
1: I would still do Engvall because we've had Rodriguez in our system before.
0: But now proven, and he, now grown.
1: Proven, playing with Crosby, playing with Malkin. If you put Engvall playing with Crosby or Malkin, he's going to get better numbers than Rodriguez got.
0: That's fair. But, I mean, it's like, still experience, I, I just, right? Like, it's not...
1: No, I know. But you had... You had Rodriguez in the system at the same time Engvall was. And yeah. yeah who, but people, Who made it and stayed on the leaves.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's people that kick around in the system like look at, look at Brian, uh, what's his name? Uh, Marchman.
1: Ma- uh, you mean Mason, Mason Marchment, Marchment, or do you yeah. mean Yeah. That yet again, as, as much as I'm disappointed at the fact that he didn't pop off for the Leafs, like he did in Florida, sometimes that happens. Like at the time of the trade, it was basically just a, Hey, neither of these guys are working for either team. Let's swap them.
0: And And, and we've
1: seen that. Unfortunately, the Leafs have been on the worst end of that a lot, but we have seen that multiple times in the entire history of the league where a player just needs a little bit of a change of scenery okay fair like look at look at cam neely vancouver traded cam neely to boston because he basically was doing nothing for them and he becomes one of the best power forwards ever
0: yeah and i mean i was always worried about that with kapanen too but i'm just i mean not to be thankful that somebody's not doing well but like i'm i'm kind of glad that didn't happen with kapanen where he didn't just go crazy i mean grabowski had a bit of a thing and jvr has done well in philly but it's always like i hate letting these guys walk and then i mean look at hyman he's probably gonna have a great year but whatever
1: yes and no like he had a decent year this year and he'll probably be okay this coming year but that contract's gonna look really bad oh
0: i agree especially when when he starts getting hurt and i mean some of those are bad comparables because they left because they couldn't afford them but same deal um, another. We, we don't I want another Alex Steen it, situation. Yeah. Oh, God. That's a good one. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Fuck, that one hurt. Um, Michael Anderson signs in LA for one year, $1 million. Why does this matter? Well, because he's about the same age as Rasmus Sandin. Uh, and kind of similar prospect, right? People are saying, you know, number comparable, and this has an impact on Sandine's potential um, contract negotiations. So do you think this is, in fact, going to have an impact on this? Do you think this helps Dubas try to bring that number down? Or is this, uh, Sandine can say, well, look, I've got a little more uh, NHL experience than he does. But, I mean, not really. Actually, no, he's got more NHL games than him by about 30. But yeah anderson's got more played points.
1: 117 Sandin's played 88 like yeah i get the age comparison and like roughly the same amount of games comparison but they're not really the same type of prospect like sandine was a first round draft pick i know anderson's a fourth so they're just a, i i get where you're going but i don't think even sandine's camp would even accept that as a comparable
0: I don't say it's like a one-to-one but the one-year one million is obviously nowhere near what Sandin wants but I think it at least shows the market of what's out there right now for defensemen of that level that are hanging around still like I mean I don't think it drastically does but I think it gives Dubas camp at least somewhat of a ballpark to say like look here's what he just took so I don't know where you're getting you know x number from but it's going down like, I, still I think, think he ends up coming in about is the 1-6. To sp- Which is fine with me. I, anything under two, I think, is fine. It's just every week that goes on, I think it's going in Dubas's favor and not Sandine's. Like, as a lot of these, you know, not necessarily high-end talent, but like, you know, there's a lot of defensemen that are still just kicking around as UFAs. I mean, what's on the list here? We got... Um, I mean, Anton Strauman, he's 35, but whatever. We mentioned PK DeKaiser's on a, a PTO. Um, fuck, there's other ones, but I don't feel like reading through the list. But you <laughs> get my point. People are signing for a lot less than they were expecting. I mean, Sean is still waiting for a contract too. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's going to come in better for the Leafs than people expect. I just hope it gets done sooner than later. That's all. I'm on to play and not sit around on the sidelines in the press box and you know generate bad press because then he's got to shake that off like Willie did and look has he even shaken it all off at this point I don't think so
1: I think he has there's something there's something about the Swedes that I, I don't want to say cockiness but they're they're very confident hockey players they're very confident in their abilities like I don't think I've ever seen an interview with a Swedish hockey player that you don't think like, holy hell, they carry themselves really well. They, yeah. right. Like I I think they've done a lot better job of it than the North American players at tuning out all the BS that gets brought up in the media.
0: Yeah. I just feel like there's still a lot of hate around Nylander and there's still a lot of, you know, trade him and Oh, he's, he's always lazy and it's the same kind of stuff that follows, you know, that cocky type of play. It's like, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. And you know, if they don't every night, then they get called out for it. So I think the contract stall just added to people's fodder against him. And I think Sandine's not doing himself any favors if he drags this out through the season, because it's just, I don't know, Toronto media and fan base is not easy to uh, turn the tide on. Like, what?
1: what are you talking about?
0: If he plays well, it doesn't matter. But like, if the one, time he slips up it's going to be oh like what did we wait for and blah 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 he held him hostage and now he's not playing well blah, 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 blah. and i am a big Sandine fan i'm rooting for him i just want him to do what's best for himself here and uh maybe sign sooner than later
1: i we've talked about it many times on this podcast i love sandman i've been a huge sandman fan since they drafted him and he's got great potential but I I do think this uh, a lot. I think a lot of this still has to do with everything that was going on during the pandemic. Like, and we we've touched on this a little bit before too. Like, there was a lot on paper. The Leafs did a lot of juggling. Yeah. During the shortened season, or not the shortened season, but like the bubble, and then like the Canadian division, where players would, on paper, air quotes be on the Marlies until game day. Well, some players, it doesn't matter if they're on a one-way contract like Spezza. He's getting his 800, 900, whatever it was, thousand dollars, no matter what. But a player like Sandine that was on a two-way, his seven, eight hundred thousand dollar contract, which I'm just throwing numbers out. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but say it's ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 per game day or whatever. If he's on paper with the Marley's right up until puck drop. Well, instead of that ten, fifteen thousand dollars it's going to be like five grand. If that.
0: Yeah. It's like, if you were working hourly and instead of making, you know, an exorbitant amount of money per hour, you are put down to minimum wage for a couple of days and then back up to that, like your paycheck at the end of the week is going to reflect that some of the days you were working the same job but for way less money, so yeah, more, at least a similar so I, I think I think part of this
1: might just be not necessarily him trying to stick it to the Leafs, but like hey,
0: making that up was for losses, not yeah. or yeah, at least exactly. at least his agent making up for the money that he lost, <laughs> less than Sandine doing it. Uh, so some deals that have been signed: Kirby Doc. Woohoo! Signs with uh, now the Montreal Canadiens for, uh, what was it, 4 times 3.3625 or something like that. Um, I I, I like it. I think it's going to look good if he manages to... um, This is one of the few bridge contracts that I think have happened. I think everybody's been forced into signing the 7 or 8 million dollar deals uh once the entry level deal is over and i think montreal was smart in getting this bridge deal in case things don't work out with doc because if they don't it's not the end of the world to buy this out or to try to move him um and if it does it's a fantastic deal so honestly i gotta give it to montreal for this one i think it's a good move uh, as a third overall pick like i think as, he'll as do much well. as i
1: hate it like as much as I hate it because I don't want the Habs to do well, it's it's a good deal.
0: Yeah, and Marty Saint Louis proven like look what he did with Cole Caulfield. You know if if it's just been a, a system and coaching thing with Kirby, where you know what did he play seventy games he had last year he had nine goals, seventeen assists with a shitty shitty Blackhawks. Like it's hard. This is the thing. So many of these guys, and especially over these COVID shortened seasons, have played with really either mediocre teams or just injury riddled teams. So it's hard to tell. Like people talked about, oh, we don't know what the draft class is like. We don't know what like the 2019 draft class plays like yet. So, I mean, really, he, he, this could work. And I, I think St. Louis could bring something out of him. So good for them. Um, like sucks it's Montreal, but fine. Good for them.
1: All, all of a sudden, they're really young and actually somewhat stable down
0: the middle. Yeah, really quietly. Montreal and Ottawa are taking a run for the Atlantic division this year. Like Suzuki, Doc, and Dvorak. I know Dvorak hasn't
1: offensively done what he was expected to do when he came into the league, but yeah. he's still at least somewhat responsible. Yeah, And young
0: still. I don't think Montreal is really going to challenge for a playoff spot this year. Maybe a wild card spot, depending on how the Metropolitan does. But I think it's going to be more Ottawa that we see this year start to break out. Um, and with that, Tim Stutzla signs a fucking massive deal. Was it eight times eight? in a bit um again a third overall pick from the following year 2020 this guy exploded for 22 goals 36 assists in 79 games on again a injury riddled really bad senator's team so this is the kind of opposite of the kirby doc deal this is getting strong-armed into you know you have to sign the big deal instead of having a bridge one but um, not to copy them, but I think Dangles guys brought up a good point that the market does affect this a bit. Like Ottawa has kind of been promising, uh, a turnaround for a long time that hasn't happened. So I think just showing the fan base that they're investing in somebody that wants to be here and is going to be a star player. I, I think it's a good move. I just, I think money wise, it's If it wasn't Ottawa in this current situation with their changing ownership and moving the team uh, downtown again and all this stuff that's changing, if it was any other team, I'd say this is insane, but I kind of get it contextually. I just uh, like
1: everything's pointing towards he's going to be a stud. Oh, yeah. Like I, I don't see the comparisons. Some people out there are comparing him to Dreisaitl. Okay, that's kind of a lazy comparison because they're truly the best German players <laughs> that have ever played. Um, but he definitely is going to be a ridiculously good player. And I loved watching him at the World Juniors when he was playing for Germany. And aside from the logo that's on the front of his jersey, I've enjoyed watching him play. But it's... It's just weird how quiet everybody is and how everyone's saying it's such a good contract. Yes, he has the potential to be an absolutely amazing player. But he's got 87 career points. Yep. And you just handed him $8.3 million. Whereas the Nylander contract... (laughs) Here we go. Yes, I'm bringing it to the Leafs. The Nylander contract that everybody hates... He had, what, let me do some quick math here. 120. He had 135 points
0: by the time he had signed that. Okay. How many seasons? Uh, three. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Granted, this is 87 points in two seasons, that one of them being shortened for Stutzle.
1: Yeah.
0: We're talking 87 points in 132 games on the Ottawa Senators that have been, like I said, they were riddled with injuries. We talked about this last episode. This could be, like, their next captain.
1: Well, I think Brady's going to be captain there for quite a while. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't think he's going to pull a
0: Matthew. Uh, okay. I do.
1: Well, he he just signed that contract.
0: Yeah. Okay
1: johnny with the inside information from a um, local ottawa man
0: i don't know i just those kachuk boys they do whatever they please no no loyalty (laughs) um i i I agree with you they don't have loyalty
1: but i think if as silly as it sounds if calgary would have gone and given to chuck to see
0: kachuk is like dwight where it's like uh you know i i value loyalty um and i will go wherever people value loyalty the most (laughs) Yeah,
1: um, but but no, like it. I don't anticipate this to be a bad contract, and yes, I can see him being a far greater player than Nylander. But I'm just saying, like it's it's funny how anybody on any team signs a contract for more, even if they've accomplished less in their career, and nobody bats an
0: eye about it. No, I and I agree. It's it's. Every contract that's been signed in the last, I don't know, 24 months has made Newlander's contract look better and better, but people will not shut up about it. It's crazy. No. Like, it's only gotten better since. Uh, but the one thing I want to bring back here to Ottawa is, um, though they've signed this massive deal they've got, uh, Alex Debrinket's contract runs out at the end of this season, and he becomes an RFA. Um, Gambrel and Watson's deals run out. They've still not signed Alex Formanton and Travis Hammonick's deal, Artem Zub and Nick Holden and Eric Brandstrom uh, all run out. Plus they will have no goalie. So, and Shane Pinto's deal runs out. So they're going to be in a bit of a cap strap situation next year. Like I, I know they're trying to put this thing together, but, like they've got a good, a good lineup of signings already between Norris and Giroux and uh, Kachuk. Now they've added Batherson and and um, what's his name, Matthew Joseph. But like, I don't know, they're they're slowly racking up. Like we were talking about these four point nine, six point five, like, and now they're adding a couple eight millions. Man, they're going to be stuck soon. The
1: the only thing, and this is coming from me being a Leaf fan. With, with how Stutzel, with how Norris, and with how Kachuk are trending to be like prospect wise, and you, you can even throw in Thomas Shabbat in there too. Oh yeah, they for have sure. all those, like they have all those guys locked up for less than Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Neilander.
0: It's true. I just
1: that they they haven't hit yet. That you know. One all it takes is one of those contracts to be a fail. You have Josh Norris, like he's only twenty three. Yeah, not that I. I mean, want he's him making eight or mil. anything like that, but but you have that contract fail and be a bust. That's going to completely screw up your cap situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, him and and Brady and uh, Shabbat all make eight, and now you add Stutzler into that at eight. Uh, man, it's like. They they told the Sens that they could spend money after all this time, and they just went, okay, and started throwing it around. Yep. Like, and like, they're still they're paying Dion Fenef. Oh my God, they're still paying Dion enough <laughs> I was just going to say, they've got
1: four contracts that they're still paying for buyouts this year 1.8 to Bobby Ryan, 800,000 to Colin White, 500,000 to Delzato, and then 350 to Funa
0: The last season they have to pay Dion Phaneuf. Oh my God, I did not know they were still paying him. That is so funny. (laughs) Yep. And they're they're paying $1.5
1: of Matt Murray's salary for this year and next year as well.
0: Thanks, guys. Um, But, I mean, just to kind of bring it all back, living in Ottawa, it's going to be a little more interesting to go to Leafs and Sens games this year than it has been in the past. And I'm kind of excited for it. I'm hoping that it's not like a 90-10% kind of... uh, split as far as fans go and maybe the Sens fans start to show up a little more now that the uh, Melnick era is over rest in peace and um, you know they're winning again hopefully or at least trying it's
1: I think they're 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 hinging a lot on some of the young kids that are still coming up to yeah for sure like Eric Branstrom was supposed to be the next big thing like he was supposed to be that that key piece in the Mark Stone deal coming back, and he hasn't panned out. No, nope. and then Jake San- Jake Sanderson's coming in this year, and people have been raving about Sanderson for years.
0: Okay, so to bring this back to the Leafs, I wanted to touch on who we. <laughs> no, we have to. It's a Leafs show. It's a Leafs show. Um, we've talked- we've given the Sens enough airtime. Uh, who do you think is going to be a breakout star for the Leafs this year? So, I mean, obviously there's big names that could have a big season and you can say that. You can say, you know, Matthews is going to score 70 goals, but who do you think is going to have a breakout year?
1: The, the first name that jumps into my head is Gadette.
0: Interesting.
1: I I kind of think it's it's going to end up being Abe Kubel, but I do think that Adam Goodet's going to earn a roster spot and he's going to have a decent year.
0: See, I'm between Cali Yarncroak surprising um, the Calgary Flames (laughs) coaching staff and actually being really good and scoring like 20 goals this year or Pierre Engvall just exploding this year and finally putting him in the back of the net every time he touches it like he should be, like Dubas and Keefe really want him to. I mean, look, he was getting really good. They've been putting him in those minutes where it's like penalty kill, you know, that not not so nice time, and uh, he's been doing really well. So I think he's earned his time to to play. Maybe it's PP2 or something. He gets some some looks. Like, I don't know. Why not? Wasn't it you that was, I
1: I think it was you, in one of our last episodes mentioning, you know, give him a shot on Tavares' wing?
0: Yeah. I mean, why not, right? Because he, I, if you can, because we were talking about moving Kerfoot deeper in the lineup just to create more depth, and you know, have him. Were we talking about having him center one of the lines?
1: He could, but even you could even like was suggested. You could even throw him on the wing with Tavares and Elander. I think that line would have like Tavares as your your constant, stable workhorse. Nylander's your high end kind of rover skill, and then you have Engvall, who's just going to do anything you need to do. He'll throw his body around. He'll get chippy. He'll score. He'll
0: yeah. I think what needs to happen this year is a bit of a shakeup of the two and two. Um, I mean those top three. Sorry, let me rephrase this. the The way that the first and second line are put together, I think needs a bit of a shakeup this year. Um, I don't know if JT at center is still the best decision. I know he's really good at faceoffs, but maybe he's more effective at the wing and you give the center to somebody else there. Not saying Willie, because we tried that. It doesn't work. But, like, I don't know. Maybe there's an opportunity for somebody else to take that 2C spot.
1: I don't... uh, I don't really... Like, anything could happen, but I don't really see that... happening
0: i just don't know what i want to do with him
1: then you're taking a strength of the team you have two high-end centers i know a lot of people were on Tavares, but he still had a good year last year
0: oh he did i'm just saying like he is getting to the point in his career where he's i mean he was never a fast player but he's starting to get slower yes he was injured last year maybe that was just part of that but you know, if he's maybe it's a time for him to transition how he's playing. I don't know. I know they're completely different players, but you know
1: who else was never a fast player? Who does auger
0: Okay, fair. He's also a like a mutant human <laughs> who's too big to move okay. any faster than he can. A- That's a like saying Chara is not fast.
1: A little more of a closer comparison. Spezza was never a fast player. Okay.
0: No, that's a good one, actually. And he, he also even a center in his prime, and right? really good at face-offs. Okay. No, you win. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm with Marty on this one. I'm
1: pro-Tavares
0: all the way. I'm not anti-Tavares. I'm just... I don't know if there's... If he's going to be playing the same role until his contract runs out. And I, I don't know if it's this year or if it's, you know, by the last year of his deal, like... I don't know. I'm just always curious as to what his play is going to look like the next season. I don't know. He's something. He'll be flirting
1: with a hundred points this year. He's
0: somebody that always intrigues me just because, um, I don't know. He's always the center of the conversation with the Leafs because he is the captain and, uh, it's Toronto. So the last captain that I really saw with this kind of tenure was Sundin. So, I mean, was FNAF even captain this long? Yep. Yeah. Fuck, I just, like, blocked that all day. How long was FNAF captain?
1: If I have to go off the top of my head, this I should know. I'm actually disappointed in myself. I want to say six, seven years.
0: Get out of here. No, you That long? I'm <laughs> <on> FNAF captain. <laughs> Okay. I need to, I need to see this named captain on June 14th, 2010 and was traded six years. Okay. No, I mean, it was 20, he played up, it was 2014, 15 season. He never played the 15-16 one with the Leafs, I think. Oh, team captain from 2010 to 2016, he, whatever.
1: He played 50, 51 games with the Leafs in 15-16.
0: Okay, so there you go. Six years. Okay, fine. He was he was captain longer than Gilmore. And what was the spotlight like on him that whole time? On Fina? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, it was it was crazy. He this is what was not though,
0: is when you're the yeah, captain, he, he, you're allowed to have a bit more scrutiny.
1: But at least Tavares is still playing his game. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm not comparing him to FNUF. That wasn't my point of that. <laughs> it was just that, you know, when you're the captain, people are allowed to talk about you more than everybody else. It's Toronto. Um, so breakout star. Just to bring it back, I'm gonna say Angvol and Yarncroak are my two big ends. Um anybody on defense, just because we we didn't really talk about them too much. Anyone who you think is gonna be really good this year? Lily. I hope so, man.
1: Lily, it, it it's another one. Back to back, you had Lilligren and Sandine um draft pick wise, and we shouldn't have had a chance to get Lilligren where we got him. He had a bad case of mono in his draft year. Yep. And didn't play a lot. So we ended up getting him. Like, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be Victor Hedman. He's not like he'll probably never win an Oris trophy, but he's has the potential to be a damn good defenseman. And he's showing flashes of it. And someone, I don't know what it was, something clicked when Giordano came in that room. And Lily's game just increased exponentially.
0: Well, I don't think there was really a veteran defensive presence besides I mean there's Riley, but he kind of it's one of those things where when it's your system, you only know the internal system. You don't have that perspective of having worked other places. And I think that's kind of what Gio brought in was like, look, I've play- <laughs> played a long time against a lot of different players for a lot of different coaches. Let me show you.
1: Well, Gio's the only one on that roster who's won an Norris trophy.
0: There you go. Good point. Um, so as we hit our 45-minute mark here, I think we should go to questions. So we got some questions from Twitter. Uh, this is from Mike the fanatic. Thanks, Mike uh, over under for number of goals. Robertson will score this season. And by the way, my breakout leaves pick is Nick Robertson. Thanks, Mike. Uh, he's saying 14 and a half question mark. Over under 14 and a half.
1: Oh, I'm going over. I'm definitely going over. And like this year in between, his handful of games that he played for the Leafs and and then going down to the Marlies. So it's not like you're just in one situation playing the entire time. He still had 28 points in 28 games for the Marlies this year.
0: Uh, I'm going to just to, for argument's sake, say under because I don't really think he's going to make the lineup enough to score more than that. Like I, I just, we've talked about this. Her- like he has to be in a, in a role that, um, He's gonna see first or second line minutes. Like he's not a third or fourth line player unless they construct that line in a way that it's like a depth scoring line. You know, they move Kerfoot down and put him with like Robertson and um, Kubel or something like that. I just I don't see it. Personally, I feel if
1: he doesn't come and earn himself a roster spot right away, or they can't find a spot for him, I don't think he'll be property of the Leafs by the end of the year.
0: Honestly, yeah send him to Dallas put the brothers together they'll probably want it and get something cool back from them <laughs> they've got a lot of fun pieces
1: yeah but I, I I can see him getting 20 25 goals this year if he gets the chance to play like I said yeah. I, I, I do fully anticipate them giving him every opportunity to play because this will be his fourth year in the organization like his last year of junior. He had 55 goals in 46 games. He knows how to score. Yeah. Look at what his brother's doing in Dallas. Oh,
0: it's fantastic. And he's still waiting for how yeah. much money he's going to make for all that. <laughs> Which is why there's so, promise there, right? Like, Yep. Okay, so next question is from Gotta Be Leaf underscore TML at WeTheNorth647. Long name and equally long question. Are you ready for this? Your, Let's go. Your prediction for the Leafs opening lineup. Where they will finish at the end of the season and your potential first round matchup in the playoffs.
1: Oh, jeez!
0: <laughs> Just a little one. So, um, predictions for opening night lineup. Um, Bunting like the
1: whole the whole roster or the the starting line.
0: <laughs> the starting line, I guess, but opening lineup. Wow. It's probably the whole thing.
1: Probably the whole roster.
0: So it's going to be Bunting Matthews. And Marner on the first line. I don't think they'll change that. They'll probably run something weird on the second line, just because.
1: I'm saying JT Willie and Robertson start him out up there.
0: Yeah, and then Kerfoot Sec- with like
1: uh, Yarn
0: Croak. Who's the center? I don't know who's Ker- the center of Angval,
1: and Yarn Croak.
0: Yeah, Kubel have, have, with- have then
1: Kubel, Camp. Yeah. And good debt on the bottom line.
0: I like it. That sounds really good, actually. And And then then
1: you have Riley and Brody. You have Muzzin and Sandine, and you have Giordano and Lilligren.
0: It's going to be Muzzin and Geo and then Hall with like (sighs) Lily or some shit. Uh, Geo, they'll keep Geo and Lily together and they'll probably stick Muzzin and Hall back together. Yeah,
1: they'd be foolish to break Gio and Lily up because they did play so well together.
0: And uh, I think, who did the Leafs play opening night? I've been looking at I preseason. I want to say Washington for some reason. Um, but maybe that's the home opener. Leafs, schedule, preseason, preseason, preseason. Um, Canadians. So probably Matt Murray.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: We'll see how preseason goes between the goalies, but I am going to say it's probably Matt Murray. Um, where they will finish at the end of the season, just Atlantic wise, how I think it's because we'll do a full uh, prediction of the standings next episode. But I think the Atlantic's going to be Tampa. Uh, I don't know if Toronto or Tampa is going to finish at the top of the Atlantic. Shit, Toronto. Okay, then I'll say Tampa. Definitely. Um, Tampa and Toronto, be... one and two. And then f- I don't think Florida's going to be up there. I think it's going to be Ottawa.
1: See, why am I thinking the same thing? I think Florida's going to be fighting for a wild card spot, as stupid as that sounds. They won the President's Trophy
0: last year. Yeah, but they lost Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger <laughs> But they got Matthew Kachak. I don't care. They lost Jonathan Huberto. <laughs> So I think they're gonna be maybe fourth, and then it's what, Boston for the wild card. I think Boston and Florida are gonna fight it out for the wild card. Buffalo will be in it and out of it back and forth through the season, but ultimately out of it as usual. But I think it's gonna be a big season for some of those guys like Tage Thompson, who just signed a massive deal. Yeah. Um, and then who's left? Detroit. Well it's not gonna be Detroit.
1: I don't. I don't think it's going to be Montreal either. I think Florida's going to. It like you'll have Toronto, Tampa, and then it's probably going to be Florida third because it's it's like the Atlantic Division is the division of the haves and the have-nots, right?
0: It was, but I mean the have-nots are starting to get a little better. Like I mean, Detroit's kind of still a have-not. Montreal's kind of getting out of the have not but, like, but like Buffalo and Ottawa seem to be built a lot better this year and, and their pieces are starting to come together finally I don't know if they're Buffalo's, there yet but
1: Buffalo's been waiting on a goalie since Dominic Koscik left yeah like Uka Pekalukunen which is by far one of the funnest names to say
0: it's unreal
1: Um, he's been their goalie of the future for what four years now
0: I mean, the team around them hasn't been great. It's, it's like one of those things where, you know, oh, we got Jack Eichel, but the rest of the team sucks. Oh, we got Ukalpeka but the rest of the team sucks. It's like you can't really develop a star with a garbage team around them. It seems like only now have they gotten, and it, I mean, really, that Jack Eichel deal seems to be working for them with yeah. um, Alex Tuck coming in and really helping out, you know, straighten out some of these guys that were on the edge of getting good, like, Tage Thompson, who was there for a bit before he broke out. So I'm happy for them. He turned Jeff Skinner around like, or somebody did at least. (laughs) I think the team
1: that's going to do well in the Atlantic is whoever ends up signing the real deal, James Neal to a contract.
0: Interesting. You think he's going to the Atlantic?
1: I just, I just literally just pulled that out of my ass because everywhere he goes succeeds. Like every team he goes to makes the playoffs. The guy hasn't missed the playoffs. I don't think ever in his career.
0: I think it's the middle of the Atlantic. That's weird. I think the top is is Toronto and Tampa. The bottom is Montreal and Detroit. It's that middle of Boston, Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida. That's going to be weird. It's going to be a toss up.
1: To get on to the next part of the question. Toronto is going to win the division. And they are going to play the Bruins in the first round. Oh my God. And they are going to destroy them because this is the Bruins run it back. Last dance year. Not even run it back. It's like, put it back together. <laughs> right. I'm just waiting for Charo to sign there. Honestly, man. Um, Cause they don't have any defense. Krejci came back. Bergeron came back. They're going to squeak in because they do have some good pieces. There still, but I think it's going to be very tough for them to make it because they have a lot of players that are injured to start the season. Oh yeah. And look, look at the Islanders trying to catch up last year after a slow start. Oh God.
0: That was literally like a death sentence for them not playing at home. Mm-hmm. And, ah uh, man. So I think you have a point there that it's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of what we saw last year with Boston where it's like, you know, the stars are still the stars, but some of the pieces around it are starting to crack. And I think their answer to that was, OK, well, let's get the old pieces back. So I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, it seems a little lazy to me. I, I would love to see the Leafs take them on in the first round and finally beat that team. But it's like, I don't know. It's Do you feel good about beating an old man? who beat you up in the first grade who's now like you know do you go back at him when you're you're 40 years old and say hey you beat me up in first grade and kick the shit out of him when he's like you know you know what i mean like well, it's, it's like is it the but, same but it, demon anymore is it does it mean anything it's to the them? same demon because it's all the same players it's the same i know but like it's not the and same it's not like team. it's not like he just beat you up in grade
1: one he beat you up in grade one and then he came back and beat you up in grade six and grade seven as well
0: it's more than he beat your brother up because like <laughs> most of these guys weren't there Riley was that's it that's kind of it no, like these but, guys don't have you, that that rivalry with with Bergeron and marchand right like I seventeen mean, any, eight
1: or was it what was it seventeen eighteen or eighteen nineteen they did
0: yeah but it's not the same like two years in a row uh, okay I just I don't want to repeat that if it's not necessary just anxiety wise like my God can we face like Pittsburgh or Washington or something from wild card spot. I want one more playoff series where I get to see Brad Marchand cry. Also, you think Boston's going to get the last wild card spot if the Leafs come in first? Yep. Okay.
1: The other one will go to the Metro. Metro will be like um, Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh, and Columbus or something like that.
0: That, sh- that sounds about right. Carolina's going to be deadly. Columbus, I don't know how they're going to be with uh, with Goudreau. We'll see. But next Johnny episode. Goudreau
1: feeding the puck, Patrick Line every shift.
0: Yeah, and Jakub Voracek's still there. Like, mm-hmm. It's going to be a good team. So I
1: wish, I wish he was still in Philly with the media, though. How the media and torts are going to be. Because Voracek just tells the media how it is. I love it.
0: Oh, did you hear about what torts said about the, the dressing room? Yeah. So he was <laughs> Pretty- asked about...
1: Pretty damning comments.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll finish off with this. So Torts was asked about what he thought about the uh, the Philadelphia dressing room, which he has not been in yet. <laughs> and he said he has major concerns. Major concerns. So but from had, from what I've listened to, though, or you you do your you say your bit. I got something.
1: No, I, I was just like, it, there was an interview on Sirius XM, and that's where I heard it. And he had said that. And he also said something about the medical staff is being
0: sued. What? Yeah, for what
1: I, I haven't had a chance. To, I, I'm not sure. I, the first thing that popped in my head was with maybe how they handled the whole Nolan Patrick situation.
0: Maybe. Or I mean, but Ryan like, Ellis, maybe.
1: Could be because he's been kind of mysteriously away from the team. Yeah, like he, he just kind of nonchalantly dropped that in the interview and then completely changed the subject and went on to the dressing room.
0: What? Okay. That yeah, didn't make news. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, What I heard from a combination of Overdrive and 32 thoughts, I forget which one it was, I'll just quote them both, um, was that he could have, I think it was on Overdrive because what they were speculating was that he landed in Philly and saw some of the guys doing their workouts before training camp. It was like, if this is what you call getting ready for training camp, we have a problem. And it's like not in the room yet, but he's going to see all the guys as they're getting ready. You know, some of them are skating. And it's like, if this is the attitude around here, yeah, there's a major problem. And I mean, look, we saw Philly play last year. They were terrible. Like, absolutely terrible. Ivan Provarov was supposed to be this like big breakout star defenseman. And uh nope, along with the rest of the team has just been non existent. That's not a team that's supposed to be at the bottom of the barrel. Like, Philly has history man like they've always been at least in the playoffs and you know i don't know i i hope the torts can turn something around there and this team just seems like they need a kick in the ass and that's what he's good at
1: sorry i believe torts was i just quickly looked it up i believe he was talking about the trainers suing the team over zamboni chemical chemicals at the practice facility what? that they feel has caused a rare blood disorder
0: what the fuck yeah wow
1: well flyers director of medical services jim mccrossan and assistant athletic trainer sal rafa are suing flyers ownership after they received diagnosis of rare medical conditions they allege came from exposure to chemicals used in the zambonis at the flyers training center center in Voorhees.
0: oh my god that's uh lovely yeah love that for them. So yeah
1: there's there's definitely stuff going on within that organization
0: cool um anything oh there was one thing i wanted to close with so as longtime listeners of the show will know steph and i and sometimes darty and now andrew as well uh watch rupaul's drag race including drag race canada and the finale was last thursday i think or friday and I won't spoil it because, um, I did not give any heads up that there was going to be a spoiler for a completely non-related show. And I know Andrew hasn't <laughs> finished it yet. Um, but Sarah nurse was the celebrity guest judge for the Canada's drag race family. And I thought that was pretty cool. She came out in a, uh, sequined one piece maroon thing that like jumpsuit that was like the same color as the, uh, the Lululemon things that they had team Canada. in. so I was like, ah, it's a little callback there. But day uh, she looked uh, she looked good. Considering you know, usually when you see hockey players like men do these events, they're all just like in suits and look like hockey player in suit. But then you see Sarah Nurse show up on Drag Race, and you're like, "Damn, clean up good." Look at you. <laughs> just saying.
1: I I know it's it's way late. Like it should have happened a lot sooner but I love how much attention a lot of these women's team players are getting.
0: Oh, hundred percent. I love that she's on the cover of fucking NHL 23 special edition. That's sick.
1: Yep. You have Marie-Philippe Poulin working with the Canadians. You have, I'm, I, I wasn't, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this, obviously, because I didn't think you were going to bring up uh, that show.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Um,
1: no, no, that's okay. But like you have, a female coach for the, the firebirds, the Coachella Valley firebirds. Hell yeah. You have Marie-Philippe Poulain. You have all these women who are now getting roles, well-deserved roles. It's not just because they're women. They're not trying to just, you know, have equality in the workplace. These people deserve these roles. I can pretty much guarantee you, you could give Poulain a Jersey and she would make the opening night roster of the Montreal Canadiens. No doubt in my mind. Oh, She's one of the the greatest hockey players, Canadian hockey players right now.
0: Uh yeah, I mean that that nation would just go absolutely fucking bonkers too. Like yeah, and, like I'm waiting for
1: someone to do something like that. And it's not it's not that they're not able to play at this level because a lot of them probably have a lot better skill set than the majority of the players in the NHL. Cause not every player in the NHL has Mitch Marner's hands no. or you shot or right. Like there's a lot of players that just grind it out and play. And they're every single woman on that team, Canada or that team USA or team Sweden, whatever team you want to pick could easily make any of the NHL rosters.
0: Yeah, because every team has has players. To it
1: changes. Yeah, but it, it's it, it's gonna take some. It's gonna take one of these players to say, you know what? No, I'm not taking no for an answer. Give me a shot.
0: Yeah, and I think we're getting closer to that with the fact that these are like, I guess i will call it like a crossover star, where like it's not just a, uh they're not just stars within women's hockey. They're stars within like all of hockey, which is something that we haven't seen too much of uh in the past and i think the next step is that now that people are comfortable with like recognizing them as just hockey stars and not women's hockey stars it's like you know the the, some of them have i mean the ones that have been asked about it have said they have no interest in playing in in a men's league but i think the the ones that come up watching them the next step would be like yeah like fuck these boundaries like and again we're two white guys talking about like how women should run their hockey so maybe we should just end this here but like you know opinionated conversations is all
1: I like <laughs> it, if you just look at some of them like I I think uh, off the top of my head Hillary Knight's probably about the same build as Mitch Marner
0: yeah probably
1: like and she just became what the all-time leading was it just for the US or was it for women competition in general I mean, women in general. like score like she's an incredible player you you just have to have one of these women who's gonna say you know what i i don't care that yeah. i've played it, it it's it's a completely different game because they've played their entire hockey careers without checking
0: yeah and i think it's like the same thing when you see these european players that play on like a, a bigger ice size like anytime you come from a slightly different style of hockey like it it changes How you've honed your skills like you adapt to playing without that so it's not a disadvantage as much as it's just like a difference in skill set yep anyway um i think we should end this because i don't want to say because we didn't prepare anything for this i feel like i'm gonna say something i'm gonna regret just like slip (laughs) of the tongue not like the wrong thing i just feel like i'm gonna talk myself into some straight white guy corner so i'm just gonna call it here (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I think we're both we're both okay in that sense because we're, we're basically saying that we can we feel that the majority of these female players could play in the nhl right now
0: 100 100 um anyway thanks for tuning in beliefs late <laughs> night um go check out inside the Rank for all of mike's articles uh, we're gonna get some more out there soon maybe from some of us we'll see we'll see but uh next episode should be in the middle of this week maybe Wednesday Thursday we'll try to do one if not it'll be on the weekend up until the season starts here preseason so I promise we'll get a schedule together (laughs) thanks everybody for tuning in this has been Leafs Light Night, which is never too late for the Leafs
1: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night,
0: your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. I see you on Twitter, Dottie Broder.